thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And you (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. So right now we are in New Zealand. Mm. We are sitting in the most extraordinary resort. We've got all of our gorgeous girls that we've taken to New Zealand on our trek. And we are sitting in front of G.I. Polly, which she has been affectionately nicknamed because she's an absolute machine. And Polly's been our guide on this incredible trek that we've done through the mountains of New Zealand, of the South Island, and I still don't know where I am, but I have to say, I've never seen scenery like this. I've never experienced nature like I'm experiencing nature. I had no idea this body was capable of what it's doing, and I think one of the most exciting things about this whole experience well, there's two things really, is that we get to share it with our gorgeous um, team that have joined us on the trek. So give us a big shout out, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And we have our beautiful Polly, who's our guide joining us here on the podcast. No pressure, Polly. 2.5 million listeners. Go ahead. Say g'day. Well, hello, everybody. (laughs) This is slightly crazy, but I guess um, that's what I am, really. A little bit, a little bit. That's probably one thing we would say. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Polly, I want to ask you straight up, tell us your history, tell us your story, tell us your age and tell us where you've come from and why and how you came to being our guide. Well, first I'm quite concerned we only have one hour. Yes, yes, I see the dilemma. I'm very see close the dilemma. to 58, but um, I was born and bred in the high country of New Zealand. So we were up, um, our parents had a, um, a big sheep station, which was 36,000 acres for New Zealand. That is, that is quite, quite big. Sadly, mum and dad had four daughters, but um, <laughs> they were quite tomboys. They, however, sent it off, us off to a private boarding school to try and get us to wear... Um, the school uniform and live by their rules, but we hated we hated school and we spent every opportunity to get back into the high country and put our hobnail boots on and our team of dogs that we had. Um, I had seven of them. And <gasps> oh, I, I want to be the... you when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we went to a private boarding school, which was really, really cool. I went there for the sport, not really the academic because I am... Um, you know, slightly dyslexic, which is, is um, we never, you know, we just carry on, work it all out and um, and go for it, really. So, you know, living in the high country as a child, you learn to um, to be tough little buggers. And that's what you, you know, I mean, one of the one of the crazy things we did was we had a lot of snow. And so mum said, would you go down to the neighbours and get some milk? So we had the old jerry cans that people use as letterboxes now. And I had this nine-hand pony called Tim Willie. He was a right little shit once he had water because he used to drop his shoulder and dump me every time. Didn't matter. We put the gig on this little pony. He was nine hands. And the first thing mum said was, don't you go too fast with that little pony. He's got little legs. And, of course, mum and dad, knowing what their daughters were like, um, we looked after the sweet pony. So when we got to the first river crossing, we creek, we um, took the gig off the pony. We cut, pushed, pulled the pony across the creek. But then us three sisters grabbed hold of the gig and we pulled and we pulled and we pulled it across the creek and then put the pony back on the gig and trot, trot, trot down the thing. And these are one of the things we did. And, of course, Mum still laughs at the story to this day. It used to snow a lot in the winter, so we used to yeah. put a rope in on the tractor and ski in behind the tractor. You know, just crazy, crazy oh, stuff. Wow. You know, wow. this was our upbringing. So that's my childhood, really. Um, so I have a question about the nine-hand yes. pony. The nine-hand pony, yes. he's not So nine-hand, for people who don't know horses, that's tiny. Very tiny. Because we tiny. used to, when we got a little bit bigger, we used to hurdle over him. 
I was going to say, you oh, would have stepped on him. Just about yeah. stepped on him, yeah. He was very naughty. Yeah. Um, but so how, yeah. why did you take him off the gig? Why did because you Because not- mum said, don't be too hard on Tim Woolley. So ah, we thought. See, I would have left him on, let him walk correct. across the Most water. people would have, but yeah. Mum said, "Don't be too hard." We thought we can't be too hard on Tim Wally. We're going to take so you. you did it. Oh my goodness! What's I, a gig? It's a mm. um, a cart, a cart. Mm. So yeah, it's just a cart oh. behind the horse, yeah. and that would have been had the milk on yeah. it. Yeah. And and ponies are used to going oh. across river crossings normally. I know no nine hand isn't hard, yeah. you know, very big, but if it was a creek crossing, not too high, he mm. would have been fine. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. He would have been as he would have been as good as gold. He would have been fine. Yeah. But you know, sorry. So, so Polly, there was you and three sisters. Three sisters. Yep. Any brothers? No brothers. No brothers. Um, so it was pretty sad for mum and dad. They had this big sheep station, but most of the Rangitata Gorge were. You know, there was only five at our primary school, which but, is in the middle of the South Island, right? Yes, it is. It's um, if you've heard, everyone's heard of Mount Hutt Ski Field. Hopefully. Um, Nod your head, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, nod yeah, your head. head. Okay, right, right. Yes. So yes. ours was yes. um, opposite, um, over the river. Um, yeah. yeah, so, so yeah, so we, um, yeah, that was our life as, as children and, and pretty cool, but we went off to this private boarding school. My sister older than me used to cart all the wool out on the, on the truck, which is a real windy road. Um, getting our licence was always interesting, Um I uh, once I left school, I went down to Marima and I was mustering down there, and I thought, oh, I'm off to the states. It's a polygram. I better get my, I better get my license because you know you just drove illegally all the time because that's what you did in the back country. Mm. So I invited the, the traffic cop up for lunch, cooked him a roast. Oh, you tart! Him <laughs> <laughs> a roast. I made a Mississippi mud. And um, you flirted with him in order to get your license. Oh no, 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 no! He was married. He was far too old for me. <laughs> right. But anyway, so then it's, it was raining. It was really, really bucketing down. And I said, "Oh, look, I'm sorry, sorry, Sam, but we've got to go and shift the stock off the off the um, the flats." And so I get in the landy, which was a, um, series one, and to turn the windscreen wipers, you had to use your hand like this. It was really awkward. <laughs> Oh, so he was in charge of the windscreen wipers while I was driving, and I went across the creek. And that's I st- very manual. Yes, <laughs> that's very manual. Yeah, very manual. And I stalled. I stalled the Land Rover in the creek in the river because it was in flood and it was coming up over the motor. Sam wanted to abandon ship, and I said, "No, no, no, that's all right." I just wind it up, and I kept. And the old landies take forever. And finally, we got a guy, and away we went. And he wrote out my license. I didn't have to do a thing right there and then. I didn't even do the theory. He handed me the theory oh paper. and said, "I've answered all the questions for you." So that was my license. Oh dear! So you oh. really are quite different in the middle of the country down yes, the bottom in the South yeah. Island. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you know, into your teenage years. You didn't finish supposed school or whatever. What I did, I just took a bit longer than others. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so what was finishing school then? Um. Well, sixteen. So that was normal back then. That's sixteen years old. Yes, yeah, not not sixteen. Yes, <laughs> sixteen. Sixteen. Yes, and then I I finished school and um, I decided I wanted to go mustering in the high country, so I had a team of dogs and um, so I just drove around and mustered on different places around the South Island and um, which was pretty cool. Really, you just um, we were probably one of the original uh, ones mustering. A woman. So let's talk about that. Yes. So first of all, mustering on a horse. Um, both. With, both. On, uh, on foot. And, on foot and yep, horse yep. with seven dogs. Yep. And you wow. would have had to cart those around yep. to each of the stations. Yes. So first of all, there'll be people here that won't know what mustering probably okay, is. Okay, so it's just, um, uh, I think in Australia you call them jillaroos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, we have international... With cattle? Yeah, so yes. there'll be ranches and... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that, but I also did a bit of dog trialling first, and which was where you, in competition, where you bring the sheep in and... Um, Foot rot flats. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, I, um, when I left Marima, I, um, I went up to the States as a polo groom, 
um, a one a polo groom. So I groom for um, polo teams over in Oh, you groomed the horses for okay. You're yep. Up. So yeah. I um, I was stud out off in Santa Barbara, which was too busy for me. It was um, oh yeah, yeah would have been crowded. Couldn't handle. Can it, you so. imagine that Santa yeah. Barbara from the centre of, of all New the Zealand, places. South yeah. Island to yep. Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. Oh, so then. What a um, Beanie, good friend in um, Gisborne, Beanie Larry, she got me a job up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Well, I was oh. in my, I was just in seventh heaven. I bet. It was great. So um, Jackson Hole. Yeah, so they used to call me Kiwi. So they made me a belt with engraved Kiwi on the back. And so I was in charge. I think we had about 20 polo ponies I was in charge. Oh, I had yeah, to So that was pretty cool. So then I left because my visa was going to run out. and So then I ended up in Marlborough as a... Um, Mustering up there, um, really, really cool guy, um, Graham Black, um, and Bev. Now, Bev Black's parents owned Erewhon Station, which is backwards is nowhere. Um, oh. Some famous books written on it. And um, so it was sort of like a bit of, um, you know, Graham Black worked for my father, and now I'm working for Graham and Bev Black. And mum... And Bev Black were good friends, so it's just sort of the the wheel had turned. You went full circle. We did. So I was in, um, I was up in Marlborough, and everybody said, "Oh, it's very different. It's very hot," and it was. It was really, really hot up there. But you know, I I still enjoyed it. And then Graham Black said to me, um, "When you're 50 years old, you can't be mustering out of helicopters. Um, you can't be doing this." So I think we should. I think you need an education. I mean, <laughs> because being slightly dyslexic, I, you know, I, it, was, it was quite hard. So anyway, I went off to Lincoln University and studied wool. And, um, so Lincoln's in New Zealand? Yep, it's, okay. a, it's a farming university. Um, so I went down there and did a diploma in wool, and I came out with straight A's, and I went, no, this Go is you. so wrong. So I picked up all my papers, went back to the professors, and I said, You've got my papers wrong. I'm only ever used to an F for a fail. Oh, so where did this A come from? Have you felt sorry for me? But what it was is that I, I did something I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you wool classed. Yeah. So then. So I, what's wool classing? Wool classing is when you go into a shearing shed and um, you the shearers shear. It was merino wool that I really enjoyed. So the... the the boys shore the sheep, and then I uh, and the shed hands or rousies, I'm not sure what they call them in Australia, they um, sorted it, and I was in charge, my job was in charge of the shed, but then when the fleece came to me, um, it was, you just, you'd class it into whether it's triple A fine, double A fine, single A fine, and then you've got your B's and your C's, and then the real bad stuff. So it's all done to how fine, and then to how much, um, how, you know, how much. You class it into into groups where the farmer's going to get the best price. So it's the finest, um, the the length, um, no tender. Where and tender is when the sheep's been sick over the winter and they've got a break in their wool. And you can always tell if you oh. if you break the wool when that sheep got sick. So I did that for a long time. Um, now I have a question to ask you yeah. about sharing. So I think it was this year. Um, on Australian ABC, so yes. our national yep. um, ABC um, radio, yep. they interviewed a New Zealand fellow that had just shorn his millionth sheep. Right. He could do a 1,000 a week. Do you know who that guy was? The guy Fagan is one of our... Yeah, that sounds familiar. The guy yeah. Fagan, he's the world champion. He's, he's quite amazing. But his, that is um, incredible. Not Merino sheep, though. He does the oh. crossbreds where there's no wrinkles or... Um, it's just very straight, very fast shearing. Um, so and, yeah. and so what's the difference between Merino and that other? Um, merino, there's, my father, bless his cotton socks, um, great old high country guy, he said there's only ever two breeds of sheep. It's Merinos and all the rest. <laughs> so, um, and it's so true is that when you eat Merino meat, it is just beautiful. But when you eat the rest, it's just so the merinos are the ones with the big horns. They've got a lot of wrinkles, uh, big wrinkles. Um, yeah, so. Um, like on the 10-cent coin of the, oh, Australian, yes, do- yes. of the Australian. Yeah, you guys got merinos coin it used to be on. Yeah, there used to be yeah, absolutely. merino, yeah. 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 So I'm wearing um, icebreaker pants and icebreaker. Yep. Yep. Is that merino? Yeah, it's merino, yeah. Okay. See, when icebreaker first started out, they, um, they used all New Zealand merino wool. But then they got um, 
that they just their mark their market's so big. Mm, it's huge. It's huge. So um, mm. so when I um, anyway so when I came back fully qualified wool classer, um, and then I got married and um, got my children have got a huge gap in them and. I was about to, I, my oldest one, she's, uh, she's 34, 35, so two wee grandchildren. But then I, I was heading away. I was road cycling, um, played a lot of golf, and then I road cycled and got into a New Zealand trial, but uh, kept getting crook and found out I was pregnant. I thought, oh, bugger me. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the wheels all changed really and, and um, all my plans changed, And but... Libby, who's she's still alive, but she had an interrupted cot death. So um, we survived her, but my wool classing and what sort of stuff stopped. So I started up a children's wear um, label called Polly's. I never spent any money on advertising. It was all just on the label on the back of the shirt or the jeans or whatever. And it was just a parrot. Keep the smart jokes. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I started that up, and that was really successful. And then, then I made three shirts to wear for myself at a show, and I never, only ever sold at shows. But my whole thing was colour and all about quality. So the children's wear, um, because my children were growing up, I did the most coolest, you know, like I had just, just cool stuff, colourful stuff, you know. And how did you make those clothes? I did it all on my own for a start. Well, you actually I sewed did. them? I sewed, I sewed, because when I was at boarding school, oh, wow. the option was clothing or Latin, and oh. I went... Yeah, seriously. Where is Latin going to get, get me a life? So I, and besides, I was always in the dummies class, so I just took up clothing. Really, it should have been the other way around. Anybody got 100% less, and I was like, really? But, yeah, so I took up clothing, so um, I started sewing all my sewing the range all myself. Um, and then I went to Christchurch Show with my children's wear, and the Christchurch Show is like the Melbourne show, or Sydney, but it's, it's big for New Zealand, and three-day show, and I took all my children's wear down there, and I got sold out in two days. But I made three shirts for myself, to wear over the three days, and I got 85 shirt orders off my back. I wasn't even making shirts. So, and then got on the booze that night in town, and <laughs> the Intercontinental asked me to come and see them, and I had an order of cotton rugby jerseys of 1,500. So oh, I calculated, oh, I can't do that. So then I found a factory, and they did it. I was appalled finding all my rugby jerseys on the ground. They said, oh, no, no, it's okay. We, they blow them, and they clean them. I go, Really? I put them all in a heap. I looked after my gear better than that. But, you know, and then that's how everything started snowballing. And then I went up and did an Alizy flower show. And then my children grew up, so the children's wear stopped. And so I did that for 26 years. That's amazing. Um, we bought um, a lot of the merino wool from Wanaka and we shipped it through to Italy. And then we made, we got, um, they spun it. It wasn't always 19 micron because... 21 micron of merino wool, which is what you're wearing, um, will last and last and last mm-hmm. and last. If you, you know, at the moment they try and get a record, I think Australia held it for a while, but I, I've got a funny feeling New Zealand have taken it back off here. It's like 11.2 micron, which is like the world record of super fine, but there's not a lot you can make out of it because mm-hmm. it just doesn't last. So our suits were always um, 19 micron. So, and how that all came about was I went up to the America's Cup when it, uh, when New Zealand won the Cup the first time, and I went... Oh, was that the 80s, wasn't it? Was it? No. No, it was um, in, ni- in the 90s. 90s. So, so oh, I went up Australia there. won it in the 80s. Yeah, they did, Fremantle. Yeah. Yep, yeah. 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 and Kim's and saying, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, um, I, I, I went up to the... I actually went up to the America's Cup because I thought, well, they're not going to come to Marlborough. So I'm going to go to them. So I, I went up in my truck, my horse float, and away I went and um, set up shop up there opposite Dennis Connors. And, um, oh, my God. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. And then, you know, I got my gear on TVNZ and made sure that, uh, you know, and, of course, Line 7 were the big sponsors, so we off your gear, put on mine. And, you know, and we just sort of got a few celebs and then um, Prada, um, he came along, and then um, Bruno Trublet, he came along. Melanie still was buying the gear before I sold the company. and So we had a lot of... Um, that is you know, such a we, success story. Well, you know, I just took it up there for four months. And, and um, Hyperium, um, the, the big yacht that we started putting a gear on there, and it was just about 
getting your name out there. And, and then all of a sudden we went to um, a dinner with Laura Piana and he's a big, a big fashion house in, in Italy. Um, so I went up there and he said, we want somebody in New Zealand to use this fabric. And I went, oh, really? And I said, hey, mate, I'm really small. No, but you've got a niche market. So I bought a 1,000 metres of this fabric in, and it's storm system, and there was only us and Prada using it in the world. So it's like a Gore-Tex, but it's merino wool, 19 micron. Wow. So we made big field jackets out of it and jackets and vests and... Um, yeah, so it was just things like that, and to this day we still we still do that. Um, how did you even know that that's how you run a business, coming from a background of mustering and grading wool? How did you know how to run a business? How did you know how to you know, you know market yourself and promote? My yourself? marketing was always done by the label on your back, you know. So you go. And the, the other label was Hawkesbury Road because um, I lived on Hawkesbury Road and I'm Polly. So I thought, okay, the label has to go on the back of the garments. So you put Hawkesbury Road, Marlborough. So they ring up. I need to get in touch with Hawkesbury Road, Marlborough. But what I did when my very first person bought something, I would send her a gift. She didn't need to do that. Oh, well, it's just a thank you. It's only small. But then somebody would ring up an order and then... I would send her a gift and the other person a gift. And they said, why did you do that? Because you recommended me to your friends. And that's how I started doing it. I never spent any money on advertising in books or magazines or radio or anything. Um, so just, you just had your label just the label. on the back of whatever it was that you'd made. Mm. That's what was but we had, and was it, Yeah, it was. And it was colourful, like our, our garments. We were all about colour and quality. That was what the whole thing was all about. So if somebody Googles Polly as a, as a label, a clothing label, Hawksby or Hawkesbury Road, yeah. Road as, a, yep. as a clothing label, yep. they'll still find they you? They'll still find Hawkesbury, not me. But they'll find sold you sold it? Yeah. yeah, they'll still find it. So I'm now doing the little stamp on it, which is different to me. But um, Congratulations. Oh, I just, you know, set out to do something. and Go you, know, you. It was quite, I was sort of running and I hadn't learnt to crawl for a while, so I had to pull myself back and... You know, my marriage fell over, but oh, that's that's life. You just build a bridge, get over it, and get on to the next step. Who knows? <laughs> Alrighty then. What are you going to do about it? Says all middle high country women. <laughs> um, Polly, I want to ask you then yep. that that tenacity that obviously you've got a very determined will, you've got a very strong work ethos. How did you get into becoming then an athlete? Um, I think it was because. As, as I said, I went to boarding school for the sport, not for the education. I know that's really bad. No, uh, I think a lot of children. Please, everybody, do your education today. The sport <laughs> will just happen. <laughs> <laughs> a little late um, to say I that, had, loved. You know, everything, everything for me is my gut feeling. If it feels right, just go and do it, you know. Um, my sport, my sister showed up for New Zealand, so we've always been a sporty family. My two aunties played golf for New Zealand. Um, just, we've always been, we've all... You know, mum and dad gave us a great upbringing, but, you know, we learnt to be, to, to work as well. I still believe that everybody should be competitive now. You know, not this, oh, you know, I think everything's too PC in New Zealand. Like I will say to children today who I mentor, um, you know, yet climb the tree however this is what can go wrong if you climb this tree you could fall down you could break your neck but I want you to work that out yourself you know not just oh don't go near that tree it's going to hurt you because it's everything's too it's just the way the world's gone and that's that's why the children are quite different today I would like to see them always out in an adventure somewhere I mean look at the wood, wood pigeons we saw today look at the tuis you know it's is what life's all about sporting wise i i think um i have always been sporty but since my marriage fell over and especially after I sold the company it's um um you know it's it, it has really taken off when when i used to i used to have 3 months of the year at home the rest was traveling around new zealand in my truck and horse flight um what was four wheel drive 
Range Rover, of course, um, with, <laughs> with a double horse flight, and all the gear was in there. But I always made sure that it worked around my lifestyle, like, oh, well, I'm going to be at Tongariro, so I might go and run the Tongariro Crossing today. Okay, who wants to run it? Me. Let's go. Oh, I might go skiing here today. And by the way, the Tongariro Crossing is 22 kilometres, and it's up a steep hill and with lots of steps, and then down a screel slope, and then it's not too bad. Right. Once you're at the top, it's just all yeah, it's all downhill. Up. But you've got to get to the top first, yeah, yeah, and it's a desert. Well, it's a volcano, it is a volcano, really. and yeah. it could erupt at any time. So I've been yeah. told. So well, it could do. But hey, if you're in that <laughs> town, what an adventure you're going to have! I know. At least you can say, "Whoa, I, know. I was on there when it blasted me in the head." Doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> we, we're going to take Karen, guys. Kim and I have done it, but yeah, you're next. What, what, what? Tongariro Tongariro, I'll take you up there. There you go. We'll Alrighty. do a diversion. We'll go up Nahuyori as well. Oh, anyway. no. Okay. Anyway, no, so, yeah, look, that I always made sure that I was doing something, whether it's paddling down a river or, or, or something. You know, that's my truck always had a kayak, mountain bike, road bike, four pairs of running shoes in the bag, road cycling shoes, mountain bike shoes. There was always something on it. It was never, it never went anywhere beer. Um, and that was just the way my life was. Um, but, yeah, but now I've really got, you know, I've been over and I've climbed Kilimanjaro, which was pretty cool. I've done Tour de France twice and ran in the French Alps and tried mm. to do Mount Blanc but ended up with a lung issue. But that's all right. I'll go back and have another crap. Um, but this year I was meant to do Akinagua in the Andes, which is ice axes and crampons, but uh, I got a free entry to the Kepler Mountain Run, which is the running at the moment I'm uh, qualifying for Mount Blanc. In um, in France, so is that around Mont Blanc or up? It's all over. Yeah, it's very. It's all over. Not up the Mont Blanc itself. Yeah, but, but it is. Yeah, you go Italy, Switzerland, France, Italy. Yeah, Chamonix. So, what is yeah. it? Um, Comillères, Chamonix. Yeah, so it's all different. Mm. So, um, but yeah, so I got my hundred mile next year, which is all pretty cool and. Yeah, I've got a pretty good life, really. So, Polly, just to explain to our listeners how freaking tough you are. G.I. And her nickname with the whole crew here is G.I. Jane. Polly, G.I. Jane. Um, tell us the story about um, how you you just don't seem to feel pain and you don't seem to acknowledge things like seven broken ribs and pelvis broken in three places and skin coming off feet ankles tell us tell us the story of well, tell us all your injuries. That would be an interesting place to start. <laughs> well, hang on. We've, we've literally we've got a half an hour left, Polly. Okay. So is yeah, there enough time? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, actually. But anyway, we'll start. Just one we? of the okay. stories that I remember, well, though, is that one of you going, strapping your ankles. Hmm. Tell, well, that tell one us. didn't really hurt. That well, of course okay. it didn't hurt you, but oh, we all cringed listening. Well, what I'll do is, no, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you the broken pelvis one, then i finish off with the ankle one. Okay, because, um, So the broken pelvis one, I was... <laughs> Let's go straight to the crescendo. I was training and for then, Ironman, and, um, because this, this to me is where everybody can get in the hurt box, and I know for you, you're still literally... She's looking at she's Karen. Looking at Karen. Karen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I just think... Oh my God! You know I'm pathetic to compare with what happened to you. You're amazing. Oh, You're a god. But you know I was training for Ironman and um, I had this new Cervelo. Oh man, it was such a nice bike. And I had these four young guys took off, and I thought, well, oh, so I'm going to go for you. Of course, I'm could be their grandmother. That's how young they were. <laughs> so anyway, one hit the bridge, and then I went, oh my God, this is going to hurt. I know this is going to hurt. But anyway, just fall gracefully, pole, and you should be okay. But what happened? Somebody <laughs> landed on top of me, and um, that wasn't—it wasn't a good look. So you could see the fall coming, absolutely. Oh, and you just said, bike, "Let's yeah. do it gracefully." Yeah, let's do it gracefully because I'm in the shit big time. So anyway, what happened was I, I fell, and this guy, Jamie, fell on top of me, and I literally felt like a dominoes effect. Bing, 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 and I went. So everyone got up off the deck, and I was still lying on the deck, and because I was only forty-seven kilos then. Because I just want our listeners that. to know, Polly is tiny. Mm. What are you? What are you weighing now? I'm forty-nine, so I've put on weight. Forty-nine. Yeah, I'm we fatty now, but anyway. <laughs> oh, so you did, yeah. She reckons she's five foot four. I say five foot two tops. Five foot four point five. Don't look. Yeah. I just, I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I um, I lay on this bridge for a while, and um, I, I one of the boys said, "Are you all right, Paul?" And I went, "No, I think I broke my pelvis." And they said, "How do you know?" I said, "Because I've had a bit of a domino effect happening inside." And 
And it wasn't gas, so there's something really major going wrong. So I said, give me a Panadol and a Nurofen and just leave me on the deck for a while. And when I say, lift me up, because we've still got a wee way to bike home. Oh, and geez. the Panadol didn't work. And then I, my lips went blue. And I remember looking at someone and he's saying, Polly's lips are gone blue. And I went, oh, okay. I said, actually, I'm really cold because I was on a steel bridge. So um, I just remember these talk about people taking advantage of it. They said, well, warm me up. And I remember them putting their hands down my chest. Oh, well, that's a funny place to warm you up. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I always remember that, you know. <laughs> what the hell? So anyway. And you um, didn't pass out. There's no... No, there wasn't. But uh, when they lifted me up off the bridge, because there was a car getting irate at the other end, and he didn't realise that I'd broken my mm. pelvis in four places and plus my hip socket. So... Um, I, there was a nurse went back to get her a rug and we, they lifted me off the bridge and they put me on the other side and I said, look, mate, I've got a bit of an issue. He said, what's happening? I said, my legs, you've left them behind. I can't feel my legs. And it was that's when things turned to custard. So the ambulance arrived and they took a couple, a couple of stops to get me home because they had hypothermia. And, um, so that was life, but that took... That took... That a was long. life. Like, you, you, Polly, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what to say to you. You know, like... <laughs> You speak of it so flippantly. For most people, that is a life-altering experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it was bad at the time, and I felt, you know, but it, to me, shit happens, you know? It's how do you get to the next stage in your life because you can't finish there because you have you put your age on that tape measure. You know, I've lived a lot of life, and I've only got this much left, so I'm in the holding paddock now, and boy, am I living it. So that's the way I look at my life. But with this pelvis, I was a month in hospital, and that that was horrible. I mean, I had a blood clot in the pelvis, I bled internally. You know, the wheels were falling off big time, but I had Tour de France to watch for three weeks on my laptop. So the boys every day would come in. This one particular person who bugger me days is my partner. Not then, but it is now. He would bring in a DVD with the Tour de France. So I would sit there every day. Inspired for your next. Because I wasn't allowed to move. Yeah. So when the nurses put me in the wheelchair, I said, look, I need to go to the bathroom. And I was determined to try and walk early. And I remember getting out of my wheelchair and trying to work. And I just went straight in the ground. Nothing would work. Mm. Just there was a hole, a gap in the middle. And so... A month later, I go home. So I had three months in a wheelchair and then three months on two crutches. And I had to learn to to walk again. Um, and then um, I remember swimming. They used to pick me up for swimming. And I said, get me a 44-gallon drum because Zola Bud, the best athlete in Africa, used to work her legs in the 44-gallon drum. But I can't get into the drum. So they used to take me down swimming to the pool. And the Blenheim pool used to leave one lane just for Polly. This is Polly's pool. I even had a name at the end, Polly's oh, Lane. Bless. And then they used to put me in the hoist and I used to um, swim. You know, I got that all cleared up and things. And then my coach rang me and said, well, Paul, Iron Man. I went, nah, I just don't like the concrete anymore. It's too hard on my limbs. Mm. So it took me a long time to try and run again. And I said, uh, he said, okay, you're going to do coast to coast? I went, oh, I'm not good friends with water. I don't like water. How old were you when all of this happened? Um... That happened in 2009. So not that long ago. No, um, the other day. So yeah. basically 50. She's 50 yeah, and that's was, when it's happening. Was At 50, yeah. I, I, I sprained my ankle playing netball in my 30s. That and said, that's it for me. <laughs> so the first year, the first year I did Coast to Coast and um, I came in off the, the first day off the run and I was lying third and I went, Really? What's happened to the race? And I thought, oh, man, I'm, I've got this race. I've got this race. Rule number one, don't be cocky in a race because that's what blew it the next day. So I get up in the morning. and So at, we're in coast to coast. We're coast to coast now right. at Klondike Corner and the wind, the Norwest Arch, and I knew I'm in trouble. I'm and how in far trouble. is this, the, the, the first The first day is um, a 3.5K run, and it's a sprint. It's nasty. I didn't like that at all. Then it's a 60K road cycle. Then a 33k mountain run, and it's over a couple of rivers. Well, 23 crossing rivers, so it's quite it's quite Jeez. hard on your body. And um, then the then you've got another 15k cycle, 75k kayak over you know some good, good grade two rapids, and then 70k to the finish line. 
So That's I won't, insane. Well, it's coast to coast. Yeah, it's coast. New Zealand it's west coast, east coast. Like. About 300 k's. Yeah, it is. Over how many days? Just two. Shut yeah. up. And so, you got a... <laughs> no, but it, the wheels fell off. So I, I get up in the morning and I couldn't keep anything down. There was no ginger nuts. Nothing would work. And my sister said, you'll be okay. Harden up with you. you, you. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm really trying to. So <laughs> they, they get me in the car. concrete and just put it around my hips. <laughs> I know. Of course, meanwhile, my father, who um, who wasn't very well, and he arrived at the end of the river because he wanted to see me come out of the kayak. And he looked up at the sky because we're real high country people, the Norwest Arch. He just said, Polly's going to have a day from hell. And that's exactly what happened. Because of weather? Yeah, Miss Pinky, my beautiful kayak, ended up by being a reach toothbrush. It snapped clean in half. Um, reach toothbrush? <laughs> I was just trying to figure out what I that is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the flip-top head. It just broke in half. And I thought, it doesn't matter. I've got so many thousand metres of duct tape. I'm going to tape it all up. But my, my paddle had gone, so you can't paddle without a paddle. And So my race was over along with 200 other competitors. It was just horrendous. The river was in flood. We had howling gale northwest winds. So the wheels fell off, and I sulked all the way home. And I thought, but, you know, I sat on that river, and I thought, well, this next year. But do you know what? I reckon I can win this race. So I sat and itemised this whole race and I went home and I rang my coach and said, well, that was, I told you I don't like the river and that was that was a race from hell. But I reckon I can win it. And, and he said, oh, okay. I said, I'm going to live on that river next year. And that's exactly what I did. And then the gun went, oh, man, I had a great support crew. My sister flew out from Perth. We had pink wigs. We had pink shirts. We had a big horse float. Because pink champagne. Pink moe champagne. Had the big horse float. And it was all about me. And I was very, very focused this time. And um, I came out of the run in first place and went this is okay don't get cocky Polly don't get cocky and so you're always talking down the river and excuse me viewers but um, when you're at the top of a rapid the first thing you do is go PLF paddle like fuck that's what you do that's what you do so that's what you do you just got pedal 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 because it's only short bursts but it is the water is coming up over top of it and I remember this particular bit and I actually forgot it was salmon rapid and you meant to go right and I went oh these people are in my road and I'm really flying through here so I went straight down the rapid and I went holy and it was just happening everywhere and I go brace pole brace pole paddle like PLF, PLF, and I got through and went, whew, that was good. <laughs> and anyway, I came around the corner, and because I can't get out of a kayak on my right side, I have to get out on my left side. And my sister saw me come around the corner, and because when you're 10k away, your number comes up on the board, and of course they knew I wouldn't be too far away. My sister was getting ready for the photo. She burst into tears. She was useless as tits on a ball after that. Because she was so emotional. And I came around and they were yelling at me. And stop, we go here. I said, I know I'm here. And I was so focused because I was in the zone. I bought my kayak around that way. And I said, because I can't get out this side. And then my legs fell off. I basically couldn't get my legs to work because I'd had 75K of sitting in a kayak, which is a good five hours. And I went to get out of the kayak and I had you have to run from your kayak through the chute and I just fell on the ground oh. and then the 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 guy who's the stopwatch she said help pole because she's had a busted pelvis we need to get it through the chute and then once I came right after that and then I was on the bike and away I went and the next day at prize giving they said uh, who the winner was and I went oh okay that's pretty cool you know and, and one by four hours I went really there's no coffee shops. How come everybody else was so slow? But I was so. I lived oh, you, on that so way. that was you that they announced it. Yeah, I won by four hours. Never Shut ever done so. Oh, that's great. So I thought, wow, that's Holly, pretty That's awesome. <laughs> you just tick it off. But oh, my support crew. My support crew lived that. So we've done our job. It was like, really? Okay. So yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then the next year, I went to go back and do it again. They had them tough. I had a no um, middle of South, <laughs> the South Island. Yes, gone. So the next year I went to uh, go back because I still reckon I could win it again. And um, But I had an accident on our river. A truck was loaded for coast to coast. And the boys said, come on, pole, one last river. And our river at home is quite dangerous. There's no more racing on there. And I got hooked. Oh, the boys said, oh, I'm not going down that chute. And one did. And I thought, oh, I won't be a chicken. I'm going I'm to attack this chute. But my kite got... Um, hooked in the trees and I was upside down and I could not get out of my kite. 
So um, how long were you under? Um, long enough where the boys thought I was dead. But um, it was just... What were you thinking? Were you underneath the water, you saying? Yeah, yeah I got hooked and I was turned upside down. My leg was trapped inside and I couldn't... I kept popping my head up and my head kept being pushed, pushed under the, in the trees. So I'd come up for more air and then it would suck me back down because the current was in the trees. And um, were I... Were you able to get breath when you came up? Yeah, I, I did. But I have no idea how I got out of it. The boys still don't. So when the boys, they were swimming across and ripped me out, and, of course, I tore all my calf, and they said, well, Paul, we're really buggered. And I went, huh, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> they buggered. said, you're going to have to tow us out. You have to paddle, and we're going to hang on to your kayak so you can tow us out. And I went, oh, okay, all right. So Are you I, for real? I mean, this is major trauma. Well, it was at the top. No, it wasn't then because it hadn't sunk in. So anyway, I got out and yeah. I got them across. I said, mate, I'm really bugging. They said, just get us to the end. I said, yeah, all right. So anyway, way I go, paddle down to the end. And I sat in the in the river and so I, was just, I said, this leg is killing me. I said, um, can you boys just put my kayak on the roof of the truck? Um, but I think I might drive myself to the hospital, which I did. And then I rang my partner and my daughter and they go, and I remember ringing and bursting into tears. And, oh, for goodness sake, woman, would you just stop this crap? You're not dead. You're fine. But I got to the hospital and they said, game over. You're not going to coast. I said, no, I'll be fine. I've still got four days. And um, But then I got a blood clot in the leg and the lung and everything else. So my wheels <laughs> fell off again for a while. And, but that's okay. Now, one of the things that Kim started this whole thing with was you said Polly doesn't feel pain. She doesn't, does she? She's just, you've got this, like, I would have, I would have... Oh, you wouldn't have even up. started, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's be real. I wouldn't have got out. I don't know how I would have... If anybody had said, tell me, I'd say, tell yourself. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, they saved I'd my cry. life. So I'd lay down and cry. Yeah. yeah, I'd be like, not done. Yeah. No, I was... This, Polly, I don't... What is, is that? Is that adrenaline or yeah, is what is, what is that that keeps you going when the body is physically you know, dead? I, I, <laughs> no, it's not really. I think, you know, we have one crack at life. We all come in bare feet. We go out bare feet. What you choose to do in the middle, that's, you know, when my when I am, have finished with my life, they're going to say, they can't say, oh, you know, she always wanted to do this. She always, they're going to say, oh, my God, what did that girl not do? You know, we were exhausted about, watching do, her. Do you not have fear? Do you not like the things that like we've yeah, talked about like even more and more things like your mountaineering and and going up Kilimanjaro is is not an easy thing to do and you wanting to do you know ice picks and and stuff like. Do you have no fear? Like you even want to do Everest, don't you? Well, I, I do. I I do have fear of the dark, just quietly, just please. <laughs> and that brings back to my sisters. They used to scare the living daylights out of me in the trees. They were nasty. But you don't have a fear of death, obviously. Oh, no. Yeah. That's going to happen. When your time's up, your time's up. If you have that fear of thinking, I'm not going to do this today because I'm going to die, you'll never get out of bed. But a lot of people, and this is a really interesting psychological <laughs> fact about fear, and just work with me on it for everybody who's listening to the podcast. Just try this on for a second. Whenever there's a fear, unconsciously, it's always a fear of death. It doesn't matter what we're frightened of, if it's spiders or if we're frightened of um, losing our partners or if we're frightened of being alone. Unconsciously, there's a fear of, I'll die if that happens. And our language even gives us a way where we say, oh, my God, I would just die if that ever happened to me or that would just, you know, that would be the end of me. So our language gives us away unconsciously, and it's almost as if that's an innate um, protection mechanism that we keep ourselves in a healthy state of fear to avoid putting ourselves in position where that could become a possibility. <laughs> but it appears that you and a lot of people talk about, um, you know, you've, you've got the day you're born and you've got the day you pass away, and it's the dash in between that that's yeah. where the juice is. That's where the life is. A lot of people talk about that, and a lot of people, um, you know, so it, 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 a lot of people say what you say, but you seem to embody that in a way that is beyond most of our comprehension. Mm. And I mean that in absolute sincerity. You seem to embody that belief that you've just said. You're only mm. here for a short time. You put yourself in the time measure of, you know, tape measure of mm. time. Where did you get that philosophy? Where did you? How did? 
where the hell did that come from to be so real for you that it's not just something you use to inspire yourself in a tough moment? Where, I mean, it's, it's, it's just life. I didn't get it from anywhere. I just, this is just life in general. When, you're, when your marriage falls over, a few wheels fall off, you know, you break your pelvis, you break a few collarbones or whatever you've broken. You've and, you broken. Know, and, and you're in a wheelchair and, you, you know, you take yourself to bed and, and you're crying. And, you, and I remember that this is the last day tears are ever going to leave my eyes because there's no one here to listen to me except a cat. So at the end of the day, get over it. You know, it's just mm. this is when you got to decide is that do you actually go up halfway up the hill, come back down, or you just keep carrying on. Yeah, right. You know, you've... So that was like a catalyst for you? Yeah, I mean, it probably was. Mm. You know, it probably was. It's a lot of women tend to think they have to, um, you know, sort of... The men are there and the women are here, if you understand that a little bit. So Polly's gesturing, the men are elevated, where the women are inferior, almost. Yeah, and like you always... Is that in physical or is that in society you're talking about? Probably society. Mm. I think that's traditional. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, and at the end of the day, I just, you know, I just, yeah, look, um, I just say I've got one crack at it and and do a good job at pole because you've only got yourself to blame if you don't. So, Polly, Polly, when you guide people through Mm. the... I wouldn't even say mountains. No, I'd just say trek hills, guiding. Yep. Trek guiding. But you don't and call this a, mountains? This has no. not been mountains for no. you? No. no. Well, <laughs> no. Are you serious? Not, okay. not okay. Polly. Not Polly mountains. So, yeah. oh, okay, so and not one of us mountains. complains about, oh, a sore calf. <laughs> or, oh, I've got a blister. <laughs> or, oh, my God, this is so hard. What are you thinking? Um, no, <laughs> I don't I, think I want to know because it's no, been me the whole way. <laughs> No, it's not. It's what I'm thinking of is okay. I've got a bad situation here. I need to fix it. You know, I just put myself into their into their um, boots, and I work it out. You know, it's like okay, let's just pull, come back a little bit, and so you don't sit there going wussy girls blouse. Come on, no, no, not at all, not at all. It's just like how how are we going to fix this situation to make it better? It's like my my clients I train. You know, it's um. I've got a few mental health ones I, I train and I motivate and that sort of stuff. And so, you know, like... Um, and ones, I'm, if you don't mind me saying, and ones that are on the verge of suicide. You work three with people. Are. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, one, one was in intensive care last week. She's come right, which is great. But, um, you know, it's you, you put yourself into the situation that they are in and you go, you know, you, you, you can't be too... You, you, what's the word? You've got to, you've got to motive. You've, you've got to get them over that next hill. You know, because you're too disconnected from their reality. Like absolutely. Their you know, like I had one girl. She could only do a minute on the cross trainer, and it was like, are you for real? <laughs> really, a minute? That's only sixty seconds. Down the river we go for a wee walk, and well, I just motivate her. You know, like, what are your goals? You know, okay, cool. Well, let's just have a chat. Let's work this through. You know, and she finished her first triathlon. Last year, and the smile on that girl, she got last, didn't matter, she got a, um, a big bouquet of flowers, no one else got it, so to me she won, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, look, she, this is what I, yeah, I get a little bit um, upset when some do end up hurting themselves, and because I think you're poor wee buggers, but my challenge is to get them out of it, you know, and because um, life isn't that bad, mm. it's and pretty cool. You know what I, I really got just then, get them over the hill. Mm. Yeah, because you were saying, you know, like it is about getting us over the hill. Like, yeah, that, it's getting don't over. look at me like that. Kim Morrison is looking at me because we did a bike ride today, and she was trying to get me up a hill. <laughs> it was really cute. It was really cute. I just, I just put my Polly hat on, and I was teaching her thumb, thumb the gear, which means go lower so that she could get up it more. And she was going for it, and she was going for it, and she was doing so well. And then she goes, come on, I'm going to vomit. I'm get off the bike, get off the bike. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, oh, you were at your uh, limit. I was at my limit. Your back teeth were underwater. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> definitely. They were underwater and I was gaping. And, and then I finally got off the bike and I felt better. But I kept walking, you know, I didn't. Didn't you didn't stop? Throw the bike over the edge. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. 
But I yeah. just got to the next hill. But I, I really like you just got to get them over that hill. And if yeah. they're in a, you know, they say, and, and I don't know if this is true or not, but people who, who do commit suicide, it's for that moment. But you get them over that hill, yeah. they're ready to cruise down the next one until the next hill comes. Yeah. And, and maybe eventually we can just completely stop it. And I think you need to say something about Lifeline. For sure. So for everybody who's listening to today's podcast, if there's anybody in your world that is struggling through suicide, make sure that you reach out to um, some of the societies that are in your local area that support around suicide. Mm -hmm. Or if you yourself are feeling suicidal or you've had suicidal thoughts, don't let them linger. Don't let them fester. The best thing that you can do is to speak to somebody. In Australia, we use Lifeline. Uh, We've also got the Black Dog um, Association Institute. Institute. Um, there's also the Butterfly Foundation for Girls. So make sure that you do some research on your local area as to some support lines that mm. support with, with suicide. I know that that was one of the greatest helps that supported me when I couldn't support myself any longer. I reached mm. out and I had a great conversation with somebody that, you know, they don't necessarily have all of the answers, but they know how to lead you to your own. And it was a really mm. empowered conversation. But one thing I do want to say about the support that you are offering for people who are suffering with that mental illness Polly, is that we know that um, exercise and particularly strenuous Mm. exercise is one of the greatest catalysts to healing when a person has created a cycle of mental um, thought patterns taking them down the path of suicide so um, strenuous exercise is really really helpful so what you're doing is is amazing yeah it is really because back to the broken pelvis i um i got the boys to bring my road cycle bike on and then put it on a wind trainer and oh, I said yeah. can you put a mattress in the in there and there in case I fall off at least I'll get a soft landing and um I remember getting on there and I couldn't even turn the wheel mm. and I did go through some dark patches myself I thought oh you know this life's not worth it anymore and mm. you know and then I just sat down and thought okay girl you you know well that didn't happen so you better start rebuilding your life and mm. then I started just you know, just working it all out myself. I didn't really go to anybody. I just um, sat down and did a bit of dig, deep thinking and and plan, um, you know, plan my life out. And to be fair, I think um, you know, Cam Carter, my first coach, he was awesome. Um, you know, he he um, he he really credits. I credit him to where he's got me now. Um, Polly, yeah. one of the things that's also changed for you over the last while is your approach to food. Give us an insight into that world. Yeah, well, that's um, that's really been been quite interesting because I, um, you know, I love my racing and I probably would have still been eating like a sparrow um, if I hadn't have decided to do this hundred miler in, in in March. And I knew that um, when I did the hundred k this year, I had my tr- nutrition down to a fine art. It was it was perfect. Uh, well, I raced well on it, and I finished well on it as well, and um, and the end result was was the podium, so that was pretty exciting for this old girl. But you know, the thing was, I I decided for the hundred miler, I need to, um, you know, talk to a sports nutritionist. And the funny thing is, my new coach now, James Klugler, he has a range of um, different things in and in there is a sports nutritionist, which is Tim Lehman. So I I changed my um, way of eating, and and it was you know, oh, I have to admit, for a start, it, it was. Um, it shouldn't have been hard, but you know, it took me ten weeks to, to sort of come right. And then all of a sudden, I remember daylight saving, and and Steve said, "Oh, you're a box of birds today." And I said, "Well, I'm waiting to feel this tiredness that's meant to happen." And honestly, with overnight, I was just like flying, and I've been like it ever since. It's like, come on, this battery's got to unwind, you know, and it hasn't. So. Um, I really believe that the the nutrition the nutrition plays a massive massive part and and with Cindy with um, changing habits that that was pretty funny too because Cindy's corner up on the hill we both realised that uh, Tim was her her daughter goes out with her son so it was like oh really so um, yeah it was yeah quite Tim funny. and Casey are going out and I and when you said his name I went. TJ, you talk about TJ, you know, yeah. it was yeah. small world, isn't it? But what what did TJ do for you? He he actually put you on a high fat. Yep, he did. Yep, low uh, low like mediocre protein yep. and low with carb. very little carbs. Yep. But you realised that you needed carbs, and so between the two of yep. you, you've worked out, yep. you know, 
this wonderful balance where you're using not only your ketones, which is yep. your alternative yep. energy source, but when you need need some sugar, yep. you can quickly transfer and eat um, a glucose yeah. supplement, and yeah. then you go into your sugar mode. I like. I just love yeah. what you. It was actually have worked quite. Um, I, I I did a big race on um, Saturday, and and I sadly was the oldest competitor. When I looked around, everybody went, oh, really? <laughs> Okie dokies. This could be a very long day amongst these greyhound whippets. So, um, <laughs> I, um, you know, the gun went. But before that, I rang um, Tim and I said, look, you know, I, I just don't think I can race on fat. It's just, it's, it's too hard basket. So he said, go back to your goose and your Ems Power Cookies and do everything that you've been doing in every other race. And I did that and had my Razies Electrolytes, which is for cramp. And look, I had a had a great race. It was very, very technical, um, very, very muddy. Spent more time on my rump and more time on my side, and shoes sucked off. And but, but it was quite a high climb. You know, I mean, we we climbed a lot of hills. So, um, and and again, a good end result. And then, you know, I went to an engagement party that night and had mm, maybe three or four glasses of red wine. <laughs> I was still flying, you know. Mm. So that was pretty cool. And then. Uh, drove 10 hours home and then took these 12... Drove 10 hours home. Yes. And then... Um, oh. then and then the ne- talk what? What did you then do? The next day <laughs> I had a tour party of 12 amazing ladies. Well, <laughs> and, um, and that was us. I, and I remember you saying you were stiff, but we had no idea why you were stiff. You said you'd done some race, but yeah. Well, my was... quads, boy, you know, and you're all saying, oh, I'm getting slow, slower as, as, as the day. No, I'm getting sore as the day's going on. I'm going, I'm getting because I'm losing the pain, you know. Like when I pulled into Fernow, my legs were swollen, my knees were like a hundred year old, and you know. And I just thought, oh, this is not good. So I um, slept with them up the roof and up the wall, and, and thought they'll be right by tomorrow. So um, Polly, I want to ask you. Just I know we're we're coming to the end of, of our show, but I just want to say, as a fellow Kiwi. Uh, how proud I have felt you leading us through our countryside. Oh, yeah. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome ladies. What would what would you say to our international listeners? Um, how would you sell New Zealand? Oh, it's... <laughs> okay, do you want to start the podcast again? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's... Um, I mean, New Zealand is, is pretty special. We don't have... When I'm doing runs with Australians, they go... Got any of those, what are they called? Leech, leech, leeches. Leeches. And we I, have leeches, miters. And we don't, we don't have any of that. So really we're very, very safe. And look, it's just beautiful, you know. It's just beautiful. It's, um, but I'm sure you've got some nice places too and, and that sort of stuff. It's a shame we couldn't go kayaking today because on a good day that is stunning and I'll show you all a picture of what this can be like. But today it would have been dreadful out mm. there. You mm. might have been on your side more than you were upright. So, hey, the bike ride was good. Oh, the bike ride was great. Still got a sore ass, so it doesn't matter. You would have got one in the kayak. <laughs> no, think- I think New Zealand's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think the nice thing about it, what you're saying, is that nothing can burn you, bite you, sting you, kill you, eat no. you. Yeah. So, therefore... Uh, all these guys kept looking. Yep. I think the biggest, freakiest thing we came across was about a one-inch worm. Um, <laughs> very deadly, not. Um, but what would your what would be your your highlight of this group? What, what's what's been the biggest lesson and learning you've had from this group? Um, the biggest lesson. I feel personally that I'm in this. It's like you're all in a circle and I'm in the middle and you're all sort of like in a, uh, what do you call those resorts you go to to feel healthier and cleaner? Yes. And, what are they called? A wellness retreat? Well, that's what I feel like I'm in. In a wellness <laughs> well, retreat? Yeah, although I'm the team leader here, but, you know, I'm in this <laughs> hole with all you girls. And, you know, and it's I've been enjoying this green mixture that looks like bile that I'm drinking at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, um, you've blown me away big time. And it's Karen. Karen. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Karen. And Jenny today biking, um, that was outstanding. That, you know, because when I saw Jenny take off the mort this morning, I went, oh, crook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I was very nervous. And then, you know, and, and turning back, she took off. And I went, oh, I've got to catch it in case she, you know, something happens. But she was away. She was gone. So to me, that, that means that we've done a good job. 
you know, um, and it's like my clients back home when I see them do things like Dr. Bond, you know, this runner that's now beating me. Um, means <laughs> I've done a great job. I've got him to where he wants to be. I've just got to pull him back. I'm going to put some rocks in his pack for Kepler. <laughs> it doesn't beat me. So do you have a website? Because there might be people who want to be trained by you. So, um, No, look, I. this is the other funny thing, because when I'm, I'm going up for this award, and they said, uh, have you got a... And the award is? Oh, uh, well, it's... Um, <laughs> It's actually up-and-coming PT of the year, which is really designed for young ones, but not a 58-year-old. So, uh, But anyway, this could be quite funny uh, when I get up there. But uh, anyway, um, no, I just say, look, I mean, I've got a Facebook. They okay. can get hold of me there. and um, That's Polly Taylor. It is Polly Taylor. There's, yeah, there's a girl in a pink kike on the page. Or you can email me, cpolly at extra.co.nz. And that's S-E-E or C? No, C. C, letter C. And Polly's got two L's. Two L's. Very important because polyester only has one L and I don't do polyester. Okay. You've got to do wool or roly-poly. You've got to do two L's. So it's C, Polly at extra.co.nz. C, Polly at extra.co.nz. I'll put them on the notes. One of our gorgeous girls in the group here, just to finish up, has asked a question about... You know, we're all looking at you at the front and very inspired by you and your never-say-die attitude and you're just totally in the game of life. What inspires you or who inspires you? Is there something or someone that you look up to? Um, um, you know, some days when life is turning to custard on a river, I always say, or on a mountain, I say, Dad, get me out of this shit because it's all turning to custard big time, you know. And, um, yeah, so probably my dad, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, he died three years ago, but, yeah. It's, oh, there's so many people. Nathan Farber, he inspires me. Um, Lisa Tamity, amazing ultra runner. She inspires me. Um, hopefully I inspire my grandchildren. That's the most important oh, thing. My grandchildren need to know that their, their grand Polly is... Uh, you know, they need to be a little bit like here. And oh, how could you bit. not? I know. I know. How could yeah. you have a grandma like you? Well, yeah, well, I did go and watch my lady, my young granddaughter play hockey, and she told me to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> she came up and gave me the shh, but I don't oh, come on, Cleo. But yeah. <laughs> I'm allowed, it's my right. <laughs> Absolutely. Get that stick down, run harder. Yeah, no, no. no, it's all pretty good. Oh, do you have one final message to all of our listeners and to the, the group of us oh, sitting here privileged to hear you? Look, I mean, I'm absolutely on it. I, I came to work on Monday morning for MSAC, Marlborough Adventure Company, which I just love my job, um, and to do my job and to make all you girls have a great experience with MSAC. Um, not necessary with me, you know, it's just because uh, I work for the company um, and it's about giving them a great experience. So I never, uh, f- when you said something about this this morning, I went, oh, crap, <laughs> you know, I'm going to have frogs and they're going to be out of control in the stomach. But, you know, it's been quite cool. So I'm pretty honoured that you asked me because, you know, I'm quite embarrassed about it really. Um, but for anybody out there, look, just live your life to the fullest because you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's what happens, you know. It's just get out there and do it. You know, it's it doesn't matter what you do. If you want to clean a window, go and clean a flipping window. Mine is a 12 coil place. My windows need cleaning. No, just joking. <laughs> just go and do something, you know. You don't have to. You don't have to. If you're feeling bad, go for a walk, you know. You'll feel better after that walk. Go for another one tomorrow. I think the the group, all of us, you know, we've done some long walks and through beautiful territory. And I think that I could possibly speak for all of them in that they all feel better about who they are, their lives, the conversations that have happened, Mm -hmm. you know, being with you, Polly, and I just, I think it is, go for a walk. And we went for a walk in the bush. Hunt for the will the people. That was us. Hashtag no child left behind. <laughs> On that note, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. <laughs> Can we have a thunderous round of applause in the room? Here? <laughs> Thank you, you beautiful human being. No. <laughs> you are 
an exceptional example of what is possible, not only for people, but for freaking women. And for short women at that. (laughs) And I just want to say, from a fellow shorty, (laughs) I've never been so inspired and I've never felt so charged and ready to take on 24 kilometres tomorrow (laughs) in the rain and the cold. So thank you (laughs) for the most incredible podcast this is going to go down in history, and I think if there's... Oh, no, I mean it. Seriously, if there's anybody that feels like they're a little bit flat or they're not able to kind of get themselves to the next level of life, man, freaking listen to this podcast. Put a bit of Polly in your chops and get your ass off the couch and get cracking. Put yourself on the tape measure of time and start to become present to how much you've got left. And even that won't give you a gauge of what's real because life is fragile. Life is short. Get out there and get amongst it. Polly, this has been amazing. We are so honored, so blessed and feel like we have really been in the presence of greatness with your podcast today. So thank you so much. And for all of our listeners, if you have loved today's podcast as much as we have, go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or go to your Google Play and give us a five-star rating there too. We've got 190 five-star ratings and our target is 360. And I say there's 2.5 million of you guys. So let's get cracking. We can do this by the end of the week. Come on, let's do it. So go to our Facebook page at allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. That's where you can post all of your questions and your comments. And if you have any trouble finding Polly, just go ahead and leave us a note and we'll give you the link to her Facebook page. You can also go to the allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and you can post your comments and your questions there. Tell everybody that you know and love about this podcast. Don't keep it to yourself. Share the good news. Share the awesomeness. And we are going to join you again here, same time, same station, next week on Up For A Chat, where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world and kayaking the rapids. Uh Uh-huh. Bye for now, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.